Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Wade Matthew continues our series of lessons from life stories, looking at the life of Caleb. And now, here's Wade. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you again. Um, Social distancing has sort of kept us apart, but uh, uh, nice to be back again this morning. You know, in the page that was at the bottom of the persecuted church, or I shouldn't say the page, but the verse at the bottom, uh, Timothy Keller said, or Tim Keller said, I should say, I'm not sure if it's the same person, said that uh, you really uh, don't know that you need Jesus until Jesus is all that you need. And that's what the world is about. The world is about choices. And having said that, let's just open in a word of prayer. Lord, in this world where social distancing, where stand back, where avoid me, where let me cover up, uh, let you not hear me as clear as you should, uh, all prevail. We are thankful that you are our Lord and Savior and that you dwell within us and that you are never far away. Regardless of the physical distance, Lord, that we might be from others, we are always connected to you, and we are thankful for that. We thank you, Lord, for the music team and the preparation that they did in getting to this point this morning. Lord, we lift you up because, as the last song said, there are none above you, and you have all the power and all the direction and all the wisdom, Lord, that this world could ever need, and then some. And so we thank you for that, Lord, and we ask your blessing upon this next half hour or so as we delve in to the life of Caleb. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as many of you know, uh, I have made a choice to step back a little bit, and it is just that. It is my choice. It is a personal choice. And that's a choice that each and every one of us makes every day in everything that we do. You have to decide which way you're going, what you're going to do. One of the things that I did choose to do was to cancel our moose hunt. And I know that's sacrilege to anybody that's a hunter. But I had to cancel the moose hunt for a various number of reasons. And uh, I wasn't happy about it, but I felt good about it because it was the right thing to do in my mind. Yet having said that, three of the members of our moose hunt eventually got together and went hunting anyway. Uh, they used my hunt camp and uh, they went to the bush and they had a very, very good time and they came back healthy. And that's, you know, that was their choice. And that's fine. And that's the way it is in the world. Every day is a challenge. You know, yesterday, I think it was, I read that the United States has exceeded the one day total Uh, for this coronavirus around the world of over 100,000 people being infected in one day alone. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal number. And so you say, well, that's fine, but how does that affect me, one individual? And I pray that the story that we're going to talk about today will challenge you to look upon that. I want to talk today about Caleb. Caleb has a different spirit. And this is from Numbers 14.24, and I'm not going to go through a lot of verses, but I want you to hook yourself onto this one. Numbers 14.24 says, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, 
I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Now, this is the prayer of anybody who is a Christian, that we would please the Lord. And because of that pleasure that we give to the Lord, we would receive a reward. That word would be eternal. That reward would be eternity with God. But I think many of us, because of our uh, uh, physical uh, nature here on earth, is looking forward to something other in, in the way of a reward. And uh, in this particular case, I think it was land inherited that was full of milk and honey, etc. I could talk about many, many different things, but we're going to talk about Caleb. And our studies up until this point have been about individuals who are maybe a little bit obscure in the Bible. There's not a lot to be said about them, and yet they speak volumes when you really examine what they do, and Caleb is one of them. I want you to see me as Caleb. Don't listen to me as Wade. Don't listen to me as being in 2020. Listen to me as being Caleb in that time. And so I'm going to try and give you a flavor as to what I think Caleb felt based on the words that are before me. My name is Caleb. I'm a child of God, of the tribe of Judah and the nation of Israel. I thank you for giving me a chance to speak about the early history of Israel as seen through my eyes. In the days when the book of Numbers was recording history, God had already provided abundant evidence for his love for his children for the nation of Israel and the tribe of Judah. That included me, Caleb. These people, my people, are not just any group, but they are a group that has been chosen individually and collectively by God. We are his chosen people. We are his children, and he is our father. He is my father. To us, this is not simply a story but it's an actual part of our fabric, our existence, our everyday life. It's woven into everything we do. We were never out of sight or out of mind when it came to God. That has been shown through history and through previous books in God's word. He provided for our needs and he protected us as a good father does. He only expected us to trust our faith in him as demonstrated through our obedience to his direction and his word were all that he needed. But as I said before, it's a fact that each day trials will creep into our lives. They will call upon our spirits to make a choice on the issues set before us. This is a story of those choices. In recent times, for example, a series of plagues was brought upon the Egyptians only by the capability of our God. We could not produce those plagues. Only God could produce those plagues. And it was done to put ever-increasing pressure on the Pharaoh of Egypt to release us. We were not simply led out of Egypt to wander aimlessly, but we were led out by Moses under the direction of God, our God. This was done when many thought it was impossible. He protected us on our escape by parting the Red Sea and then allowing it to collapse upon itself, thereby consuming all the pursuing armies of Egypt. Once again, we were not capable of doing that. The tribe of Judah was not capable of doing that. The nation of Israel was not capable of doing that. Only God was capable of doing that. 
Furthermore, even though he led us into the wilderness and we were not happy about that, he fed us manna. And when we complained later on, he fed us quail. He directed our way by fire and by cloud. He spoke to us through his servant, Moses. He was and is faithful to his promises as given to Abraham and reinstated later to Moses that he would provide a land and an inheritance for his chosen people. Had we heard? Not sure. And so here we are, two years out of Egypt, and a great census was commanded by our Lord God that they count every male over 20 years of age, of which I was one, who was able to go to war. Seems a little bit strange, doesn't it? Able to go to war. Let me read it to you. Chapter 1, verses 1 and 3 and verse 7. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of the meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they, that is my brothers and sisters of Israel, had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the children of Israel by their families, by their fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male individually from 20 years old and above, all who are able to go to war in Israel. You, Moses and Aaron, shall number them by their armies. And with you there shall be a man from every tribe, each one the head of his father's house. And verse 7 goes on to say, And from Judah, which is the house that I reside from, Nashon, son of Abinadab. It further goes on to say in Numbers 1, Verse 27, that those who were numbered of the tribe of Judah, that is my tribe, were 74,600. In fact, the census for all the tribes numbered for the nation of Israel was 603,550. Why do I bring that number up? Why is that important? As Caleb, as one individual, how can I affect change when there are so many around me? able to do the same. Although just 20 and only one of the more than 74,000 eligible for my tribe, the census only confirmed to me that my God was in control. The census was ordered by my God through Moses and Aaron and should have bolstered us as we saw final numbers that were exceedingly large. You know, more than half a million people in an army is a pretty big army. And we should have been bolstered but you're going to find out later on that we weren't as bolstered as we should have been. However, to me, it showed once again that I mattered to my God as I was numbered and accounted for as an individual in that army of many. He didn't miss me. He didn't avoid me. He didn't discount me. He counted me in. You know, go a little bit further. Even the heads of each tribe were selected by God. He showed his involvement in everyone's life in this particular walk by selecting each individual in each house. So when he selected Nashon, that was God's selection, not Nashon's, not Moses, not Aaron, not the nation of Israel. It was the individual that God felt was most capable of doing what he wanted to be done. These numbers in themselves made us feel powerful in our own eyes, but in God's plan, there was more to show. He was about to illustrate once again that regardless of the size of the opposition, none could defeat 
<clears throat> pardon me, none could defeat the plans of my God. And of this I had no doubt. I just had to look at past history, as I had explained before. He did not need us to defeat the enemy. He alone was capable and all-powerful of doing this with a simple wave of a hand. He had shown it before at the Red Sea, and he would most certainly do it again if needed. He had promised that, that he would look after us. The census also provided structure and responsibility for the nation of Israel. But in my mind, it was quite simply a ruse, because God wanted to show his people that they could do nothing without him. And he established the first point, that they were many and they were strong. As we move closer to the land of Canaan, my Lord, through Moses, made another declaration designed to illustrate the weakness of our nation, now that he established the power of our nation. Numbers 13, 1 and 2 and verse 6 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out of the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. And verse 6 says, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephuni. That's me. I was selected by God as a leader of my tribe, as a representative for my tribe, not just Caleb, but I represented all the people of my tribe. And I was to go out on God's behalf to spy for him. What could I possibly find that God didn't already know was there? That's really not the question in my mind, because that's not what God wanted to accomplish here. What he accomplished here, I think, was much more than that. He accomplished the importance of choice. There were many, many tribes. So there were many people that went out. They were spying on the land that the Lord wanted us to have. Now, this is the first mention of me in God's book of Numbers, and it validates my spirit. God chose me by name, once again indicating that I was important in his eyes and capable of working his purpose. If I believed wholly in him, trusted him, and obeyed him. I will be viewed as my father's faithful servant, and that was my focus. Furthermore, he will reward me for my obedience. What I showed was simply the normal character that was expected from each of us every day. So this didn't just apply to me, it applied to my brothers and to my sisters in the nation of Israel. But it was choice that affected the outcome. And you're going to see that a little bit further on. I want to go back and read that verse from Numbers. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. That is because of choice, the choice that I made. We were given an opportunity to demonstrate our faithfulness to God, our commitment to the Lord. I, Caleb, acted through it as my service as a leader and a representative of the tribe of Judah in pursuit of satisfying the wishes of the Lord. Not all had that attitude. 
But the story is not over. All is not peaceful and all is not in harmony within the family of the Israelites, the family of God. In fact, there was rebellion in the form of rejection, selfishness and scorn. All the spies returned with reports of an enemy that was too powerful to be conquered. What about the big census numbers that the Lord had given to them? Didn't that mean anything? They were still afraid? Were they not able to defeat the enemy simply based on these numbers? Had the Lord not said that he would go with them? That he would go before them? I, Caleb, quickly quieted the people before Moses, saying, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. That is because of my choice to follow the Lord. To believe what he had said centuries and centuries earlier, and day after day since. He said he would be there to protect us. He said he would be there to join with us, to lead us, to direct us. And I had no doubt of that. He had not changed. Those who went out to spy immediately responded, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than us. My brothers and sisters of Israel wept. They wished they had died in their escape from Egypt, and in fact wished they had died even in their existence in the wilderness. They said to one another, Let us select another leader and return to Egypt. What a slap in the face to the Lord. Not once did they turn their eyes upward towards God in hope. They were far more filled with feeling rejected, scorned, a nature of rebellion within their hearts to look to the Lord for the promise that he had provided for something that was much better and much more. Had the Lord ever went back on a promise? Had the Lord ever failed in protecting them, in being there for them, in delivering the wisdom that they needed in a timely fashion? My answer is no. But it would appear that their answer was yes. They didn't see the same road that I saw. Joshua and I took this not only as a rejection of Moses and Aaron, but as a flat-out insult to my God. Quite clearly, they were calling him a liar for not providing what he had promised. It caused Joshua and I to rip off our clothes in frustration and anger and say to the people of Israel, the land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I had made a choice, and I followed that choice. Joshua had made a choice, and he followed that choice. Unfortunately, the other representatives didn't see it the same way, and their choice was different. You know, this business of challenging God is even frustrating to God. It's hard to believe that our God could be angered over things as simple as words, but it wasn't just the words, it was the lack of action, the lack of commitment to their words. 
The Lord in his frustration said to Moses in verse 11 of chapter 14, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will close off my story at this point. There's much more to read about this, but the pattern has been set. And I realize I haven't gone into the technical issues of each and every verse and every little nuance of the story. But I think you get a feel for what the world was like in my day and what we went through and the choices that had to be made. Because of the disbelief of my brothers and sisters, my Lord passed judgment on them by denying them entry to the promised land. They had big problems and they chose to worship a small God. That God was themselves. This judgment didn't apply to Joshua nor myself because as the Lord said in Numbers 14.24, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. We had selected a God who was so much bigger than any problem we could imagine. That should be the end of the story. Now, eventually, the people who had rejected advancing towards the promised land had a change of heart, and they chose to advance after all. They chose to do it on their own. Another mistake. Another bad choice. Chapter 14, verses 41 to 44 indicates that. It repeatedly warns them of their futility, and it reads, And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you, but they presume to go up to the mountaintop anyway. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed the camp. And as you know, they failed. They were rejected. They were defeated. Judgment of the Lord had been declared upon them because of their disobedience, and they were denied their prize. It's really sad that earlier in verse 30 of chapter 14, they had been told, except for Caleb, the son of Jephaniah, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. And as I said before, had they ever known the Lord to lie? Had they ever known the Lord to not follow through on a promise? And yet they ignored him and they went up and they were defeated. There is not a promise that he has not kept and there is not a promise that he will not keep. And that's something to keep in your heart. I, Caleb, am humbled that my Lord would consider me worthy of his attention and overjoyed that he found a heart and a spirit of belief within me, a different spirit, a spirit that chose him. I believe it is this attention to belief and trust and obedience in God that set Joshua and myself apart from the others. We saw the road laid before us by our God, and we chose to take it. Our brothers and sisters did not. In my day, as we continued to move forward under the direction of our Lord, 
we were in a time of very little clarity. Here we were coming out of Egypt. We were counted and accounted for by our God. But were we truly his? In the wilderness, we were confused. We were challenged every day by what confronted us. We questioned our future. We bickered amongst ourselves. We rebelled amongst ourselves. We gossiped. We were not happy. We hated the manna. We wanted meat. God provided quail. That wasn't good enough. We were never satisfied. You know, is that any different from what you feel today? Feeling somewhat like you're in the wilderness, feeling small in a place where no one seems to notice you? Are you confused, frightened, and with no particular direction in mind? Certainly this COVID issue is something that challenges you and you don't know which way to turn. No different than in my day. In my case, I had a different spirit. I decided that either you have big problems and a small God or you have a big God and small problems. I chose the latter, a big God with small problems. I, Caleb, trusted in God's faithfulness to keep his promises, and I also believe that a man who trusts in my God's faithfulness will be greatly used by my God, as was I. My part is small in his word, but it was necessary to move a remnant of the nation of Israel forward for God's purpose, and I did that. Can you say the same for yourself today in the trials that he has put before you? What I, Caleb, showed was a man who exhibited the normal character that God expects from each of us daily. This is not something that we just do once and we walk away. We don't just say that, I believe in you, Lord. You are sovereign. You are above all things. You are powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing. And then walk away and do what I used to do before. That's not what he wants. He wants you to say that every time you make a decision, every time you go to act upon something, he wants you to say that to yourself. But more importantly than that, he doesn't want to just hear the words. He wants to see the actions. He has given us all opportunities to demonstrate our commitment of faith to himself. As children of God, we must recognize that these situations are important tests of our faith. And as often as they come with opposition from others, or impending hardships, God is always there. God will test you, but remember that he is with you. He will persevere, and therefore you will persevere. You know, I can feel your angst as you face a different set of issues in this day, but your choice is the same as mine was. You can choose to live by a different spirit, a spirit of trust and obedience. For my Father God, your Father God, Or the alternative is to hear God say, I didn't know you. Scary thought, isn't it? I thank you for hearing me today as Caleb. And I pray that you are able to put yourself in my shoes in that day, but that you are able to bring yourself forward to this day. See the similarities. See the choices you have made. Make adjustments if necessary. But in all things, Put the Lord first. Make him your God and follow him. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we are thankful for your word. And we are thankful for the opportunity that you have given us 
to make a choice. Lord, this is an issue that has been discussed many times with many people. But it is something that comes out strong in the story of Caleb. We don't read anywhere in your word that Caleb fell down on his knees and surrendered his life to you and promised to follow you and all of those things. But Lord, we don't need to hear that word. We see it in his actions. I pray, Lord, for everyone here, including myself, that we would re-examine our hearts and our souls, our very spirits, and that we would examine the choices that we have made. And if we have not made the right choices, Lord, to redirect our path. Lord, you have given us everything that we need to do what is right. First of all, you sent your son to earth to reconcile us back to you, to redeem us, to give us the assurance of eternal life with you. And because of that, Lord, we should want to do what is right. We should want to make the right choices. We should want to be obedient. But you went further. You allowed the Holy Spirit to come down as Jesus Christ ascended and to dwell within our hearts, to direct our paths, to challenge us when we make wrong decisions, to educate us, to direct our ways. And so, Lord, really, we have no reason to turn away from you. Help us, Lord, to put our faith in you, to trust in you, to be obedient in you, and to understand, as Caleb understood, that although he was one of many, that he was important to you, and that he indeed could move mountains if he used your power and your power alone. Lord, in all that we do, may our focus be on you. May we put you first and only in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for allowing us this time on earth when we may continue to pursue your plans and your purposes. Lord, we thank you for your love towards us, for allowing us to taste your grace and to continue to exist in your world. And Lord, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks, and have a very good day. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.